this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Usually you're kind of trying to come up with your own backstory to fill out a character and, and make them more interesting or more real to you. So, you know, after five seasons of watching Rebels, those characters are real already, you know, and so it's it becomes a different challenge of kind of stepping into some shoes that have already been filled in one way and and kind of bringing them into literally a different dimension. Live or die. We choose to live here on the Dagobah Dispatch podcast, and what better way to live than to talk all about another intense episode of Ahsoka as our titular hero and her former master who turned to the dark side, did battle, and crossed laser swords not once, but twice. We will get all into the big Anakin and Ahsoka duels and everything else that went down in the world between worlds. And as if that is not enough, we've also got General Harris Sandula joining us. That's right, Mary Elizabeth Winstead will be here. We chatted with the star before the SAG After Strike began and have that interview ready to roll for you this week. And roll it shall as we roll into another installment of the Dagobah Dispatch. I'm Dalton Ross. Here with Devin Kogan. And Devin, we may not know exactly where this episode of the pod is going, but we know it's going somewhere. And apparently, according to this show, we're talking about somewhere is better than nowhere. That was a very roundabout <laughs> way of introducing things, but I respect it. Yeah, Devin, we, we have a, a lot to get to this episode. I mean, clearly a lot to get to. It's a, you know what, Devin? It's a great time to be alive. It's a great time. <laughs> To be alive, we've got like, I mean, we've got Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen battling again as Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Now we've got Hayden and and Rosario Dawson, like basically giving us live action version of the Clone Wars and Snips and, and, and Sky Guy all again. I mean, it's like, it's, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get into it all. I'm very excited, as you guys can see. It's already falling off the rails, but that's all right. We're going to compose ourselves and we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that in a minute. But, but Devin, we, we, we've got housekeeping we need to do, uh, as we always do at the beginning of every episode, before we do our big recap and before we can get to Devin's interview with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. We're going to hear from Hera after what was a big episode for Hera, actually. Um, but real quick, we like to interact with you all listening here to the podcast. First off, uh, appreciate you guys listening to the podcast in, in great numbers and um, all the reaction we've had from you all, we really appreciate it. it comes in many forms and it's awesome. And we're going to get to that uh, right now because Devin, we got some new reviews left for us on Apple podcasts. We really appreciate that when you all do that. We like to hear, hear from you in many different ways. And this is one, one of them. Uh, we got a review from SKDAST, Skidast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure it stands for something. Uh, Skidastro, good comedy and great interviews. Very fun podcast about Star Wars with the absolute best interviews. Dalton and Devin have great chemistry. 
Some of the takes are fascinating. Wrong, but fascinating. <laughs> Always a good, fun, and interesting listen. I don't know. Shots fired uh, over a victory celebration there, Devin? What do you think? Um, I think uh, they're they're agreeing that my take is is perfect, and your you take so? is the one that that's wrong but fascinating. I think I think that's that's what I like to believe, at least. Sure, you keep telling yourself that that, that works. <laughs> uh, we also got a really nice um, review in from Ri Online. Uh, said one of my favorite podcasts came for the recaps of my favorite Star Wars shows. Stayed for the interesting discussions between all the show hosts. Parentheses, miss you, Lauren, uh, and the parade of special guests intimate with the production. Uh, love all the geekdom discussions and polls. Sorry, Devin. Yubnub still reigns supreme. Thank you and keep the awesome podcast coming. Uh, in what do you say about perfect that, review. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're not giving that review five stars, Devin? Uh, alas, <laughs> I, I, will, I will allow it. I mean, you're wrong, but, but I'll allow it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for leaving reviews. We always love, and talking to us on social media, we always, always love hearing from you and it, it means a lot. And we love getting to talk about Star Wars with you guys. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, another way, of course, you guys can interact is through our Spotify poll that confounds and mystifies me every week in terms <laughs> of trying to find it. But it's there. It's on Spotify. You go to our most recent episodes, and there's always we put a poll up that you can vote on. And uh, last week's poll coming off episode four was, what was your favorite Ahsoka episode four battle? Because there were a lot of them. Uh, so the options we put out there, Devin, were Ahsoka versus Maroc, Sabine versus Shin, Ahsoka versus Balin and Droid Fight. So, do you want to take a guess at what one? I mean, I know my pick, which I talked about last week, which is hands down Ahsoka versus Balin. It's such a good lightsaber battle. And um, up until this episode was, for me, one of the highlights of the series. Well, that was your favorite fight, as we talked about. My favorite fight was Sabine versus Shin. And once again, proving I have my finger on the pulse of the people, Devin. <gasps> I just like to say that Sabine versus Shin did win with 46% of the vote. Ahsoka versus Balin was second with 33%, followed by Ahsoka versus Maroc at 13%. And Droid Fight, only 6%, which did surprise me because the Droid Fight is pretty pretty cool. I, I'm a little kind of bummed that got last place. I Look, I love Hu Yang. I have talked on this show many times about how he is my favorite character on this whole show. Um, and I liked seeing him kick some ass. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of badass Hu Yang, just like straight up punching some dudes. It, it, was, yeah. it was great. I think I, we deserve more of that. You know the one thing we didn't talk about last week about that droid fight? Whatever kind of droid he was fighting at one point, Hu Yang starts to yell for help, and the droid kind of puts his just robot arm over the mouth. I was like, does that work? Can you really, like, muffle a droid, like, the voice box, just by kind of half-heartedly putting your robot hand near his mouth? I'm just not sure that's going to be very effective. Right. I don't know what the speaker mechanism is there, but yeah. it's like, you know, it's like when you, like, put your hand over, like, a speaker, or, like, you're on speakerphone or something, and it gets, like, all weird and muffly, but I don't know. So, uh, very un well unanswered questions. Indeed. Well, we'll we'll have another poll up. That's if you listen to the pod on Spotify, you can you can vote there on uh, our uh, this podcast, which will have a poll up by the time you're listening to this. Okay. Uh, our other new way to interact is through voicemail. Uh, our crack producer Sammy Junio set up a voicemail number where you can call and leave us messages uh, about what you thought of the episode of Ahsoka or what you think about what we think about Ahsoka. Be nice. Uh, and uh, react to anything you want. So all you got to do is give us a call at 
877-799-1566. That's 657-799-1566. Keep it brief. You know, don't, don't like no, no super long rambling. Tell us who you are and where you're from. So we like to know. Uh, and then just uh, hit us with a quick, a uh, quick take. It can be a hot take. It can be an ice cold take, whatever you want. And let us know what you're thinking. And we'll play it right here on the pod. The same way we'll give you a shout out if you leave us a review on Apple Pod. Uh, so uh, let's get to some of this week's uh, voicemail. We've got a few that we're going to play for you. Let's start with uh, our first one and see what Jeremy's got to say. Hi, this is Jeremy from New Jersey. I just watched uh, episode four of Ahsoka, and my God, that was a good episode. I mean, three duels in one episode. I mean, that's just that's just so cool. And uh, I was so relieved that Maroc was not Ezra Bridger or Starkiller or whatever else fans theorized. I was kind of relieved how they uh, revealed what he really was, and. Uh, I absolutely loved the duel between Balin and Ahsoka. It was so cool. And this Ray Stevenson really, really, uh, he just, he did it good. He, he was so great. And uh, always great to see Hayden Christensen as, as Anakin Skywalker again. All right. That's all I have to say. Bye. All right. Jeremy from Jersey. What exit, Jeremy? Um, so <laughs> that's something Jersey people say to each other. Uh, so... He's uh, on Team Devin there with the Balin Ahsoka battle. Uh, I couldn't agree more about Ray Stevenson. We've talked about this a lot. That I just, I, I think, you know, he and Ivana Sakna are MVPs. I mean, so far they're just so so good in their roles. Devin, I absolutely love Ray Stevenson's performance in this, and it breaks my heart that we're not going to get to see more of it because I think he is really. I, I talked about this a little bit last week, but it, it with. Worse writing and a worse performance. This could have been just like very standard, like bad guy, generic, semi Sith Lord kind of vibes. Um, you know, where you just have a villain and they just their their motivation is just there for the plot and they don't have any like actual character depth. Ray Stevenson, from the moment Balin walks onto screen, has this like depth and this sort of nobility. And you he's somebody who very clearly has a code and is doing what he thinks is right. And I think Ray Stevenson just adds so many like lovely little, you know, moments to his performance and also hell of a lightsaber fight. I, when I interviewed Rosario Dawson, she talked about how, you know, like Ray Stevenson put everything he had into that lightsaber fight and it really shows on screen. Uh, and I think we all agree it was Devin's theory and she was not alone that Maroc would be Ezra Bridger. But I think there are a lot of theories going on there, but I think we're all happy that he was just oh, yes. a nobody. We all we all like that fact. So we're we're with Jeremy on that as well. All right, let's uh let's see what Chris has got to say with our next voicemail message. Hey guys, this is Chris from Michigan. Um just wanted to add to something that you said about uh when Sabine was fighting in uh, the latest episode and how she started to fight more like a Mandalorian and less like a Jedi and fighting how she felt normal and, and comfortable. Um, but it reminded me of in Rebels how when Ezra designed his lightsaber and it wasn't a traditional lightsaber, but it was what was perfect for him. And it, I just thought that was a, a cool uh, mirroring scene. Um, but I love the podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing it. And I look forward to it every week. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it, it, this is something we've talked about, Devin, how you have these things. If you've watched Rebels, you're going to pick up on what Chris just picked up on there. 
And if you haven't watched Rebels, it's not going to impact your enjoyment at all. Like, right? It's not good. There's you're not like working at a deficit. You may not get this. We talk. You may not get every reference, and you know it may not mean as much to you. For instance, in this week's episode, which we'll talk about later, when Kanan Jarrus is mentioned, but it's not going to like put you behind either or make you not understand what's happening. This is something I've been really impressed by the show overall so far. Is because coming into this, I wasn't sure how much of a learning curve there was going to be for Star Wars fans who weren't familiar with Rebels, who weren't familiar with the Clone Wars. Um, I told this story before on the pod, but I watched the first couple episodes with my dad because he was in town. Huge Star Wars nerd, has seen you know like every film a zillion times, knows more about Star Wars than I do, um, but has very little reference point or, or knowledge with about clone wars or rebels and so he a little there was a couple times where he's like wait who's sabine and what's what's the situation um but he's been watching the show week to week and has really really enjoyed it and i think that speaks to that that was one of my biggest fears about the show going into it is that it was just going to be for one audience but i'm impressed by how it's managed to be for multiple audiences and to not only do that but to do it well yeah uh all right, let's go to our next voicemail. It's Paul calling in. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Paul calling from uh, Albany, New York. Uh, I've been really enjoying what you guys have been doing with the uh, recap. Um, just had a couple of thoughts about this past week's episode that you kind of maybe missed. The uh, With Marok's death, um, one thing that wasn't touched on is after Ahsoka kind of slashes into the chest, the green mist that spews out. To me, very reminiscent of the Night Sister magic. So my take on him was just, you know, Inquisitors have been long dead at this point in the timeline, but maybe she using, you know, the resurrection zombie kind of magic that they used in Clone Wars brought this Inquisitor back to life to just be her, you know, left dog and do her bidding as Morgan Elspeth, if I didn't mention that. I'm curious to see if maybe we'll see more kind of Night Sister magic out of Morgan that we haven't seen yet. So I thought that could be pretty interesting. Yeah. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, keep up the great work. Um, yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. So um, thank you, Paul from Albany or Paul Bene. Hey. <laughs> Not your best, but Sammy, you better put some like a laugh track behind that, by the way. I'm just saying, like, give me Sammy, a little something. Dare. Just let put it, it, let it hang in silence. David David Dispatch is filmed before a live studio audience. Uh give me a little something. Give me a little help. Um few things I want to say here. Um so I considered what Paul mentioned here, right? When Maroc, uh, when Ahsoka slices him, you do see that sort of ash or mist and come out of him and it's like ah is that like some night sister magic i sort of discounted it myself devin only because it didn't seem to me that maroc was an agent of morgan elsbeth's right it seemed to me like maroc sort of worked for or with balan like he was part of balan's mercenary sort of dark jedi crew so that's why like i just sort of if he came from night sister magic i just feel like there would have been more of a they would have given us more of a connection between him and Elsbeth, which they didn't, doesn't mean that I'm right. It just, that's why I've discounted that angle. Yeah. I think as a general rule, I love how Morak went from being like, Ooh, who is this mysterious character? I bet he's important to the plot to just being like, eh, he's a dude. He's there to look cool. He's got a cool lightsaber. He's got an interesting death, but you know, it raises a couple questions, but nothing that sort of distracts from the plot. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I love, 
he he's to me he sort of exists for one moment one moment only which is that amazing indiana jones kind of vibe where he you know comes at ahsoka with his incredible spinning lightsaber and she just sort of cleanly steps past him and just slices him in half and it's great we love it um but i do agree there's clearly something interesting happening there as far as whether it's magic whether it's when i first watched it i almost wondered if like he was like like his it was like his suit was spewing something like he was in a compression suit or he was like a droid or something and and you know you slice the suit and like all the steam and stuff sort of pulled out but i think i agree i think there's something there's something more to Morocco, and i'm curious whether we'll get answers about that but i i mean honestly i don't know maybe we'll get a spinoff someday uh one other thing i want to say i got in a really big fight with our producer sammy junio because Sammy was like, this voicemail that Paul left is too long. I need to cut that down. I said, don't you dare. She said, oh, it's too long. I don't care about this guy. I'm cutting it down. I'm like, you know what? Power of the people. How dare you cut his voicemail? And uh, then they they went and did it anyway. Sammy cut it down anyway. So a really, but, a, but what I want to say that Paul mentioned that you didn't hear there and that Sammy's literally trying to cut my mic right now and doesn't want me <gasps> to get this on the air for some reason, I'm just undermining their authority, uh, is that Paul pointed out that, that uh, I guess Paul also listens to wrestling podcasts. <laughs> so apparently Freddie Prince Jr. went on, on a wrestling podcast recently. We were talking last week, Devin, about is, is Kane and Jarris going to show up? And Kane and Jarris is... Uh, Jason's uh, father, uh, who's referenced in this episode, uh, and Freddie Prince Jr. voiced him on Rebels. And so he mentioned that Freddie said on a wrestling podcast that he would never come back to Star Wars. Now, I did a little digging. I'm assuming this is the wrestling podcast because I found this transcript of where he was on something called The Big Thing podcast, which is either a wrestling podcast or a porn podcast. I'm not sure which, <laughs> but one of the two. Uh, and he was asked if Kanan would make an appearance on Ahsoka. And he, according to this, said, no Ahsoka, I'm done with Kanan. I'm too old for that stuff. I grew up watching Star Trek more anyway. They had sex in Star Trek, man. See, maybe it is a porn podcast. Uh, nobody gets laid in Star Wars. Now that's interesting because clearly, uh, you know, he did get laid. He's got a son. So unless there's something weird force, like maybe it is like Anakin who didn't have a father, right? It was the midi-chlorians. Who knows? But apparently Jason and Hera were getting it on in the ghost at some point. Uh, and then he says, Kanan's story, at least for me, is done. I thought it ended beautifully. People cried. I was happy for that. I don't mean to sound, I don't mean that like a jerk. Our goal was to make you cry. So for me, that story's been told and it's done and I wouldn't have any interest in that. And it would be weird to play a different character in that universe. So I don't have any ambition to be in the Star Wars universe. That's a pretty strong, usually, let me just tell people quickly, like, and I realize you want us to talk about <laughs> the episode and not this BS, but like, you know, Devin and I uh, interview people for a living and, uh, you know, I'll, you know, sometimes, you know, you will ask or you'll hear someone ask and I kind of don't like these questions like, hey, would you ever come back to this? Because you never get a real answer. The answer is like, well, sure. You know, hey, and people usually never say no, right? Like even if they don't really want to do it or there's no plans for them or people don't want them to do it, they're just like, hey, sure. You know, I'm always open. I'm always open to anything. So it is kind of rare that you have someone just completely shutting the door on doing it. And remember, sometimes when that happens, i.e. Ewan McGregor, who basically said he wasn't never going to come back to Star Wars and then welcomed it back with open arms a few years later, you just set yourself up to 
you know, be contradicted. So it is surprising the strength of these comments, Devin, unless he's he actually is an Ahsoka and is just trying to like, you know, throw us off the scent. But that's a pretty strong wording to do that. Yeah, I think that's a pretty strong denial. And I think he's right. I mean, once a character dies, I mean, obviously we're we're about to talk about an episode where Anakin Skywalker is a main character multiple years after his death. Um so death is not, you know, the end in the Star Wars universe. Um but I do think that, you know, Kanan Jarrus has a very clear arc um in Rebels. You know, he goes on his journey, he sacrifices himself, he dies. His story was told. You know, I I don't blame Freddie Prince Jr for being like, "Hey, that that story's done. I don't know what more you want from me." Um at the same time, I always get mad when people are like, when when people go fishing for actors like, ooh, are you in this thing that's coming up? And it's like, what are they going to say? Either they're going to deny it, and then when they come out, they're going to be like, yeah, I lied. Or they're going to be like, yeah, I'm in it. Great. You spoiled something that doesn't come out for six months or whatever. So I just, I, I always get mad. It's like with the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man thing. Everybody kept asking Andrew Garfield, oh my God, are you in Spider-Man? Oh my God, are you in Spider-Man? And I felt so bad for the poor guy because what's he supposed to do? Be like, yes, I am. I'm telling you now, we just spoiled a movie that comes out nine months from now. Great. You got me. You know what I mean? So with something like this, where it's, you know, talking a little bit more nebulous, like, would you ever return to this this thing? Or is there a role you would like to revisit? I think that's an interesting question to have. But it, it does annoy me a little bit when some journalists are like, are you in this thing that's coming up? And it's like, what what are the what is the right answer? What are they supposed there to is, say? There is, there is no answer unless the person slips and tells you, which I guess has happens. happened, you know, yeah. but, but very, very rarely. Very. There's rarely. one of my favorite stories is, um, I think it was the Vanity Fair article when The Force Awakens first launched. Um, yeah. And who, I forget who the interviewer was, but they were talking to, um, I think Kathleen Kennedy basically being like, a- asking some question or whatever. Um, and and like some, some very plot heavy question. And Kathleen Kennedy was like, why would I tell you that? That'll spoil everything. And the, re- the reporter goes, I'll tell you why. Because like in 1998, I was interviewing George Lucas and I said, what does the Phantom Menace refer to and he was like oh the like the the rise of darth sidious like that's the explanation like george lucas just didn't care he was like oh yeah here's here's the whole plot i'm totally going to answer your question so i thought that was a very funny i'm doing a bad job of telling this anecdote the actual story is very is very good but i i always think about that where kathleen kennedy's like why why would i tell you that that's like such a spoiler and and they're like well because george lucas was just like yeah here's the entire plot of yeah here you you go prequel trilogy on a plate so that was a tangent but Anyway, uh, worth it, worth it. Uh, thank you, Paul Benny, for your call. Uh, let's go to our last call again. Uh, mystery caller didn't leave a name, and I hate when this happens, Devin, because when people don't leave their name, we simply can't figure out who they are. Let's take a listen. Hi, I would just like to respond to your second caller last week, who was complaining that his wife had bought too many chopper uh, droids. Uh, I'd like to just say that your second caller was playing with one of those chopper droids in the kitchen, driving it around uh, with, I would say, glee. Also, turbo lasers are dumb. We did agree on that. But I will say the witches are cool. And he just needs to learn that he's wrong on that matter. Bye. I I told you she was going (laughs) to get mad about the witches. I told you all. I told you. It's clearly that's our former co-host, Lauren Morgan, uh, who used to do the show with us until Sammy got really irate at Lauren for some reason and fired her, which I didn't even wow. think Sammy had the power to do. You but were just going they did. Sammy this I don't episode. know why. Uh, so, you know, it's funny that we have Lauren here, like, talking about 
her husband being upset that she bought two choppers. Did I dream this, Devin, or did she text us and say she was considering buying a third chopper? I, I am I making that up? I sort of feel like she she did. D- don't don't get her in any more trouble with her husband. Like do, we we can't air her personal business on this podcast. Who are we kidding? Yes, we can. Um, yeah, no. There's I I mean like literally. So we have a text thread, the three of us, um, where we just literally all we do is send each other Star Wars memes and also respond to some of these episodes. Like last night we were texting about about this episode because there's a lot of big things to talk about. But mostly it's just Lauren sending us things from like Shop Disney and being yeah. like, should I buy this? And it's no, like- it's not should I, it's like, I'm buying this. I'm buying she's this. She's never asking our opinion. <laughs> she's gonna or buy Or she'll it. be like, I'm trying to decide between these nine things, which yeah, five of yeah. them should I buy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she, it's she, incredible. I mean, she sent us a picture recently of her office and it's she's running out of wall space. And as somebody who is also running out of wall space in my apartment, I can I can relate, but hers is just exclusively Star Wars. It's honestly impressive. So I'm going to be an agent of chaos and say, Lauren, buy more chopper droids. Jeez. I think you need an entire like guest bedroom in your house that's just like wall to wall choppers. You know how sometimes you go into some people's house and they like collect dolls or they collect clowns and they are all like staring at you. I'm imagining that just but with like hundreds of choppers everywhere. I collect eight tracks. I have eight tracks. I have like hundreds okay. and hundreds of eight tracks. Yeah, whatever, Dalton. You're yeah. cool. I think you I should. Got, I think like you should Osmond family have eight tracks. I got it all. <laughs> so basically, you're like get 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 to the chopper. Get, get to, to the, the chopper. Ch- get to the chopper. Sam, wait, well, Sammy. I don't want to tell you how to do your job. All right, I don't want to sit here <laughs> and tell you to do your job. But if you're not dropping a get to the chopper soundbite in right now, I'm just telling you, you're doing it wrong. Like you can take the advice, you can ignore are the they? advice. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> Is that saying. something we need, Dalton? <laughs> Just no, but I have a I have a friend who has a, her in her guest bathroom. Um, she loves the presidents, and so she collects presidential memorabilia. Um, she loves history, and so like mm. for years, people have just given her so much president stuff. Um, and so her, she has a guest bathroom that is just presidential themed, and so she has like a JFK bath mat and like all of these weird like FDR things on her wall, and just like bizarre presidential plates and like seventeen seventy six commemoration stuff and it's incredible every time somebody comes to her apartment it's just like this is amazing i'd respect it if it was only william henry harrison like if it was just him harrison representation if it was just the dude that was like super cold out and he refused to like wear a coat at his inauguration and then got (laughs) sick and died 30 days later (laughs) just like that's my favorite president ever incredible presidential lore (laughs) no but i think my favorite thing that she has is she has like the bag of peanuts from like when jimmy carter campaigned she just like bought some on eBay and they're still in the original packaging. It's Ugh. it's an absolutely insane Bill, thing. Does she have any Billy this- Beer? Does she have Billy Beer? Billy Beer was was Jimmy Carter's brother who was like kind of like a, a ne'er-do-well. And so he kept trying to like get rich off his like uh, president brother. So he had his own beer called Billy Beer. Try to get a six pack of that. I'm sure it tastes, still tastes great. Oh, I'm sure. That's going to be my Christmas present right. to her this year. Anyway, this is, this is not yeah. related. Let's return no. to the Star Wars galaxy. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, we love the voicemails. Keep them coming. Uh, here's the number again, 657-799-1566. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're from. Keep it, you know, keep it keep it short. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, play some and respond to them right here on the pod. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's let's do it now. Let's get into episode five of Ahsoka. Like I said earlier, Devin, I just huge smile on my face. I mean, we knew this was happening from the end of, of last week when Anakin showed up and called her snips. And, and you, you know, you called it out correctly that I clearly felt we we're going to get a lot more this week. And oh boy, did we get a, a lot more uh, this week. Um I don't even know really where to begin, but basically, like, you know, it's it's Anakin, it's Ahsoka, it's the world between worlds, and he's basically, I guess, training her uh, to, 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 to get out, to go, go back, I guess. And the training comes in the form of he sort of is there with her and basically challenges her to a fight, and they're having their playful banter. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and they're, they're kind of, like, going at it a little bit, and he's got the blue lightsaber. Uh, and then it sort of becomes then this... Um, I don't know this travel through her past, Devin, where he, we had she she falls and she show, wakes up and she's a little girl and um, a young Padawan in the early days of the Clone Wars, and and Anakin looks younger and looks sort of that beginning of Clone Wars look, and we'll get into that look in a minute more. Um, and then eventually, though, she's seeing the destruction, she's seeing the death. She's questioning her role. The Jedi used to be peacekeepers, but now she's just being trained by Anakin to be a warrior and show power and strength. And that's not necessarily the path she wants to go down. And she starts to question it. And he tells her, well, you're going to die then. And then eventually they battle. And now he's taken out a red lightsaber. And now all of a sudden his eyes are red and his face looks ashen. And he's transferring back and forth to Darth Vader and Anakin. And they battle. And and she eventually... Uh, you know, chooses the right path. She has his lightsaber at his throat, chooses not to put it in. And then he says, well, hey, maybe you have learned something. And then she wakes up and all's well. Um, what did you make of the whole sequence? What did you make of the lightsaber battles? What did you make of the other scenes we saw? Uh, just give us your overall take and then we'll go in a little uh, deeper. I loved this episode. This is hands down my favorite episode of the show so far. It's my favorite episode we've gotten on live action Star Wars television in a while. Um, it's beautiful. It's ambitious. It visually, it looks great in a way that I think I haven't been super impressed with, with some of the other, you know, uh, live action Star Wars shows. Um, this is just a gorgeous, really thoughtful, really incredible episode. And I think it really, there's so much to talk about. Do we have nine hours to get into all of this? But I, I think for me, it it really comes down to Hayden Christensen's performance in this. I was so impressed by Hayden Christensen's performance in this. I really loved seeing him in Obi-Wan. I loved the flashback training Padawan scene with Ewan McGregor. I loved the getting to see a little bit of him as Vader. I, you know, especially when they like slice the mask in half. But this is where I was like, oh, this is this is Hayden Christensen at his best. He's everything that people love about Anakin 
is in this performance. He's smart. He's funny. He's kind of snarky. He's kind of, he has this darkness within him. Um, he can be kind of brutal and scary at times. And I watching this, especially as we go back into some of the, the sort of Clone Wars flashback elements, I was really struck by the fact when you interviewed him for Obi-Wan Kenobi, he talked about how he prepared for that by going back and watching Clone Wars and watching Matt Lanner's performance and just like watch and like learn catching up on like his relationship with, uh, with Anakin's relationship with Soka, all of those things. And I got a lot of Clone Wars vibes from this performance. Like he sort of takes what Matt Lanner did as the voice actor of, of Anakin for such a long time and, but also marries it with like his original prequel trilogy performance in a way that just feels like Anakin. I was really, really impressed by this. And I just, I, I, I love all of these little details. There's like that incredible shot where he's striding off into the distance, into the smoke and the fog, and it flickers between him and Vader and you see the lightsaber change. And I just literally, I was just like, wow, that's a good shot. It's a good shot. Like it's, Simple. It's incredibly effective. I loved everything about this. I mean, there's so much to get into with this episode, but for me, all of the Hayden Christians and Anakin stuff is really what really kind of blew my mind and, and and really impressed me in this episode. I agree, and I had the same thought that that you had. Like when he told me, like, "Oh yeah, I watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels to prepare for my role in Obi Wan." I was like, "Wow, that's that's really cool." It seems like a little bit of unnecessary research. Like, I mean, like you know what I mean? But like. <laughs> But it totally made it like it all added up and made sense. I'm like, oh right, that's why he did that, and uh, and I agree a hundred percent with everything you said, Devin. I thought like, what? A, it's sort of a weird thing, right? Like, you know, obviously Darth Vader was around in the original movies, but let's talk about younger, you know, Anakin. And I'm not talking about like Jake Lloyd, Phantom Menace, but like he sort of like you know, quote unquote, creates this character for this this age of of Anakin, and uh, plays him in two movies. And then the character is turned over to animated, and like you said, Matt Lanner. And so now he comes in and he's playing, like you said, kind of what he did, but also what they were doing on Clone Wars. So he's marrying those two things and has to modulate his performance to do that. And I thought he did, I think that's a, that's a tougher thing to do than we think. And I thought he did a great job of it. Uh, listen, He's always been a great at all the lightsaber stuff. Like you yes. talk to anyone oh and you gosh. go back and watch on, on the Revenge of the Sith on like, okay, I'm, I was going to say on the DVD. I'm the only idiot that still has like DVDs <laughs> and Blu-rays. But if you are a loser like me and you actually hold on to physical product, go or whatever. It's obviously all on YouTube. Go watch like some of the behind the scenes lightsaber training on Revenge of the Sith. And he's cooking. He's cooking. He's good. He's just that that twirl, the wrist twirl, is so great. The signature Annie twirl. When he brought that out in this, I was just like, ah, there it is. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and of course, I love the one line where you can pick out that he's Canadian, where he's like, "Is that what this is a boot?" Like, it's, it's, <laughs> wait. So can we talk about that line because yeah. I love that line because it's literally I, I forget what the actual lead up into it is, but it, it's basically Ahsoka saying like talking about her guilt about like losing him to the dark side and like or like the last time we fought you were vader or whatever and he's sort of like is this what this is about like seriously that time i went to the dark side and like maybe murdered a couple hundred thousand people and like kind of became a sith lord and abandoned you like is that what this is about and it's just like such a peak skywalker snark and i was just like oh just look the th my favorite all my favorite skywalkers they're just drama queens and they live for drama and this is just it's it's so good it's it's incredible 
and, and how funny, Devin, that we talked about how we thought like how we we really liked the way they did this sort of the the mild de aging on him in Obi Wan, and then last week when we saw that one shot of him, we we're a little like, ooh, that's a little weird yeah. around the eyes. They did a little too much there. That didn't quite work. But I thought he looked great here. Like I thought, like he, like we talked about, not just the look, right? He had the, he had that sort of like early Clone Wars outfit on and the hair, and he looked great. But like they again, like he looks too old for how the character should be, but he looks like young enough. Like I'm glad that they didn't go crazy on the de aging. You see some wrinkles, and like you see things where like okay, you realize okay, the dude's like you know. 18 years old or whatever it is like he wouldn't like but but i'd rather have that than to have someone look fake and weird and i thought so i thought he looked great i thought that that uh he was a dead ringer for anakin from those early clone wars episodes uh they show them the hair getting longer the face getting a little more weathered and scarred as they go through those various scenes as ahsoka's sort of growing up and not only do they match the costume and hair well but i thought what they did with anakin's face uh both digitally and with makeup was perfect. I totally agree. I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk about this. Um, some people with with Obi-Wan in particular, they were like, they didn't de-age him enough. He looks like, you know, like adult Hayden Christensen. And like with last week's episode, people were like, ooh, they went really heavy on the de-aging and he just like didn't look the, like a normal human being. And I, what I was hoping was true and this sort of turned out to be the case is just like the lighting and the sort of ethereal quality of the world between worlds and it's just like a single shot of him and you you know that you know whoever was on the visual effects team was just like obsessing over that shot because it is such a big important shot you know of of oh my god Anakin here's the big reveal and i just think it was a little heavy-handed and like his eyebrows were a little too dark and his eyes looked weird and it just wasn't what but i was hoping and this proved to be the case that once we saw him in action and once we saw him moving and saw him actually giving an actual performance, it would that would all sort of melt away and be a little less heavy-handed. And that was true. And I found myself not thinking about it at all this episode. I was just like, he looks good. He looks like Anakin. He's giving a good performance. Yep. Right. Yeah, and you're so right. The, the first flash to Darth Vader, then they did it again as he's coming <gasps> towards Ahsoka on the so bridge. Good. He's flashing back and forth. Uh, was so cool. And, you know, it's like, I recognize that they're doing fan service here with this stuff, right? Like, again, totally. like they're doing fan service on Obi-Wan by having the Obi-Wan and Vader, you know, multiple lightsaber battles. They're doing fan service by putting Anakin and Ahsoka back together. They're doing fan service by basically giving us Clone Wars, Clone Wars animated scenes come to life. I mean, there's literally a scene of Ahsoka and Anakin in this that, like, you can match up exactly to a frame from Clone Wars, uh, and people have done it online. And that's great. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like, I know, you know, that's what, that's what, that's what we want. Like, and, and we want other things. We want more, but yeah, give us some of that, man. Like we took this journey with them. It's very exciting to see them uh, brought to life. We've never seen these two characters interact in a live action on screen together. So it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm here for it, Devin. I don't mind that it's sort of maybe like low hanging fruit. Cause I'm here to just gobble that S up. Yeah, I think when it comes to fan service, I I think that 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 phrase gets thrown around a lot and and people don't always like define kind of what it means. And I think for me, fan service is not inherently a bad thing. I think when it's when it's cheap or when it's just 
the my my issues with fan service are when it's just like, hey, remember that thing you loved twenty years ago? Here it is again, and it's just we're gonna plug it in and have like no act. It has no bearing on the actual story, or just we're here to just do a sort of a cheap emotional ploy to play on your nostalgia, and that nothing drives me matter than that. I, I absolutely hate that. But I love, I think there's something to be done about, you know, when you're telling a story that has many decades of history be- behind it and, you know, fans who have followed the, and, and rewarding those fans who have paid attention to this story for, for decades, I, that doesn't seem cheap or like an emotional ploy. That seems like it's rooted in actual like emotion and actual like storytelling payoff. So something like this where it's not just we that they trotted out Anakin just to be like, hey, we got Hayden Christensen back, where it actually accelerates the story and sort of like dives deep into this relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. That is not fan service. That's just good storytelling. Um, and you can argue about like whether you agreed whether it was done well or you would have done something differently. But to me, I mean, every frame of this is done in service of the story. And that to me is the most important thing. And, and it really really comes true in this. And we talked a little bit about sort of like the makeup and um, the Vader sort of elements. And I really, so let's talk a little bit about sort of the lightsaber battles of it all. Um, Because I kind of love the idea that, you know, Ahsoka wakes up in the world between worlds, Anakin is there to guide her and impart wisdom upon her, teach her a lesson, basically continue being her Jedi master. Um, and he sort of tries to talk to her and they talk a little bit and they, they go through all these flashbacks, but ultimately the way that Anakin finds is the best way to train Ahsoka is through lightsaber fighting, is through dueling. We see it, you know, sort of him as his sort of classic Jedi version. We see him as, as more like the twisted Sith proto Vader kind of version. And I, I love the idea that like, that's how these two characters communicate. And that's how these two characters teach each other lessons is by dueling and by fighting. And I thought that was a really kind of interesting storytelling concept that I thought was really done well in this episode. Yeah, I no, I agree as well. And I, what I really liked about it too, and this isn't strict, this isn't really the lightsaber battles, I guess, but you guys always know I geek out on those and I, I love watching them. <laughs> you? I, yeah, I know. I will say, I will say if I'm going to really nitpick on the lightsaber battles at all, and, and I, I encourage you guys to tell us your thoughts too. You can call us at 657-799-1566. Leave us a message, 657-799-1566. I did think she disarmed him a little too easily. Now I can let it go because maybe that's part of the lesson and he, he wanted to be disarmed and see what she would do. Right. So that's, that's the way I can kind of let it go, but it did seem a little like, it's like, you know, I watch a lot of reality competition television because it's one of my (laughs) many weak spots Uh, as once again, Sammy can attest by the videos I was sending her before we started recording this uh, involving a stinko meter on big brother, but um, Google it. Uh, So, (laughs) but, there's sometimes you're on the on a, on a show, right? Survivor. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm doing a Survivor analogy again. <laughs> and you want to throw a competition because you don't want to win, but you don't want to make it look obvious, right? Like you don't want people to know you're throwing it, so you have to put forth a really good effort. And I'm not sure that 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 if I were Ahsoka or me, the viewer, I would have bought Anakin's effort in here if that was the case to like let himself be disarmed that that easy. He's like maybe the second most powerful person in the galaxy after the emperor and he's kind of just gets like 
a weird spin move undoes him. Um, that said, the lightsaber battling was all awesome. But what I really liked was sort of what the narrative of here is, right? It's not just come to the dark side, don't go to the dark side. It's a little more subtle than that. It's yeah. it's her questioning as as I think you and I, I mean, I've read you know all these stupid Star Wars books and it's like they were protectors of the peace, peacekeepers of the galaxy, yet they've been turned into, you know, into the war effort and they become into soldiers and warriors. And like, they get, it gets addressed a little bit here and there, but I'm not sure I've ever seen it in such a concrete way as I did here where she's like, well, wait a minute, like your all's legacy was keeping peace. My legacy now coming up in this is just strictly death and destruction and war. And so it was done in a, in a way where it wasn't just like light side, dark side, more, more power this way, less power that way. It was done through a different lens. And I, I, that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, there's there's two sort of things that I really loved about this. Um, one is I love – so playing young Ahsoka is an actress named Ariana Greenblatt, who if you've seen Avengers Infinity War, she played young Gabora. Um, she was just the young girl in the Barbie movie, and she's absolutely great in that. I mean, you want to talk about an actress that has – you know, you want to talk about big, high-profile projects. Um, but her performance here really gets the fact that – I mean, Ahsoka is a child soldier. The the Jedi are basically taking children, um, young preteens, and and sending them into war. We and we see that as Ahsoka is a military commander. This this young teenager um, ordering around clones and and thinking about military commander. Uh, it, it's kind of extraordinary, and and you get that sense in the animated Clone Wars, but here. There's something about seeing it in live action and seeing a literal child on screen in the middle of a battle zone that is that is really kind of gutting. Um, and the other thing I really love about you talked about sort of the narrative of this this lightsaber battle. And there's a moment sort of at the beginning where you know Ahsoka essentially says, "I won't fight you," um, and Anakin sort of like smiles and he's like, "I've heard that before." It's a it's a callback to Return of the Jedi and Luke basically being like, "I will not fight you." father like i'm not gonna gonna do this and it's it's a very similar parallel to luke's battle with vader in return of the jedi where he has that moment where he almost strikes down vader and 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 the emperor is like do it and you know take his place and replace your mentor or replace your predecessor basically and and set down on the same path that he he has gone on the same path of death and destruction. And instead, Luke says, I, I won't do it. I won't kill him. And it's the same thing with Ahsoka. She won't kill him. She won't strike him down. She disarms him, but she she won't kill him. And that the parallels between those two scenes and that sort of message of of she chooses to live and to, you know, to continue fighting and and to, you know, continue on her own path while while taking the journey, the the lessons that she's learned from her master without becoming her master is I, I thought that was a really interesting piece of storytelling that is done not through dialogue but all through action. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Um you know by the way by the way, the one thing that was confirmed me, I did kind of wonder last week, like, why is Balin assuming she's dead? Like he didn't like like first off, you can slash someone in the chest with a lightsaber and apparently they don't die. But also she just kind of fell into water off like a ledge. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, that's that. Like, I like, he's like, well, she's dead. And then she comes out and she, we see she has no wounds on her. Like she just kind of fell in the ocean, I guess. I mean, I assume she's a pretty good swimmer. I don't know how the, the tails work <laughs> with that, but 
Anyway, I mean, to his credit, I mean, I think he's like once he sort of bests her and they use the map to sort of jump into hyperspace, there's the idea of like, even if she's still alive, she can't follow us. Like, yeah. you know, we're there's no way she can find us. I could be watching my back a little bit. He's sitting there like talking to Sabine, like, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I understand that's where the focus had to be at that second. But, you know, just I'm just saying. All right. Look, speaking of, of, of fan service, it, it, we in one of these sort of visions that Ahsoka's having from the past. We see ba 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 Captain Rex makes an hey. appearance. Uh, nice job, Commander. We'll secure Our the boy. perimeter. I guess that was my Captain Rex impersonation. I'm glad you <laughs> talked Bradley over Baker, me. You are Thank not. God you talked over me. So I just sort of got lost. Um, well, th- that's what I wanted to ask you about. It's so interesting. So Captain Rex, obviously a clone. Obviously the clones taken from Jango Fett. Obviously Jango Fett played by Tamara Morrison. So Tamara Morrison uh, in all these sort of live action uh, basically does all the clones and now Boba Fett, right? Now on the Clone Wars, D. Bradley Baker voices all the clones and obviously Captain Rex. So I was just curious whether it was weird for you at all because Captain Rex is, is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm blanking on something we've never seen in live action before, no. right? And like, I, I so so this is his live action debut and so... On a live action thing, a clone would be voiced by Tamara Morrison, but Captain Rex we've never seen in live action, so we've only heard him as D. Bradley Baker. So it's a lot of setup, Devin, but the question was, was it weird for you at all to hear Tamara Morrison's voice and not the one we're used to with Captain Rex? It was a little bit, but also like I I love Tamora Morrison and am never mad to see him back in the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, um, I did wonder whether we were going to get you know, like a clone without a helmet, you know, whether we were going to actually see a clone. And they'd have um, to de-age him. They'd have to de-age exactly. Tamara Morrison if they're going to um, But so, you know, he keeps his helmet on. Um, and there's a scene where Ahsoka is like uh, sitting next to an injured clone and like his face is all bandaged and, and it's, you get the, like the outline of a face, but it's, it's clearly, you know, not, not a clone face. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think this was probably the best way to handle it. It did make me a little sad not to hear D. Bradley Baker, just because when I think of Rex, I think so much of his performance. Um, but I also, I'm never mad to see Timora Morrison. And so. No complaints from me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's was interesting. And, uh, you know, like I said, keeping the helmet on seems to make sense. Could be maybe more distracting to have like a weird looking, because um, he really looks nothing like he did uh, back then when they were shooting those prequel movies. So um, anything else you want to talk about from this, these, the, the, these, these visions Ahsoka had or the Anakin Ahsoka stuff where we just touch on a few other quick things? Um, I just want to talk a little bit about... And this is going to make everyone laugh who knows me. Um, I'm going to talk about The Lord of the Rings, uh, which should come as a surprise to absolutely no one. Um, but no, that, that's something that both Dave Filoni and Rosario Dawson have talked about a lot, this version of Ahsoka sort of Gandalf the White. Um, and oh man, were the parallels very, very strong here. Um, when she comes back, she is literally dressed in all white. She is like more ethereal. Like it's, it's very, very clear parallels. Um, this idea of she has this near death experience. She has almost a death experience and comes back to life um, and comes back more serene, more powerful. And also there's sort of a lightness to Rosario Dawson's performance after she comes back from the world between worlds where you know, she's, t- we'll get into this later where she's talking to the Pergils. And, and at one point, Hu Yang is like, do they know where they're going? And she's like, nope, let's see where it goes. And 
For me, one of the things I've been missing about this show so far is there's like a lightness to this character of Ahsoka and a sort of a charm and like almost a snarkiness that we've gotten very serious Ahsoka so far. She's very serious. She is hunting for Ezra. She is like sort of muted. And so to see her like smile and laugh again and be light, there's something that I I really loved. And that's something I've sort of been missing. And so to see that quality of Ahsoka again is is just made me really happy. And I really loved that sort of transformation that she has after she has this experience. Um, and she comes back wiser and lighter and, you know, literally Gandalf the white. Um, so I, I don't know. I just got major Lord of the Rings vibes. She fights the Balrog. She falls into death. She returns all in white and is presumably going to go help Frodo save, um, you know, throw the ring in the volcano. It's so. Um... Yeah, she's just so chill at the end. She's like, yeah. like, well, where are we going? She's like, I don't know. Like, well, we don't, we, we don't end up anywhere. Nah, better than nowhere. Like, okay, okay all right. It's pretty relaxed, uh, you know, view on things, but that that's cool. So it was noticeable. You're 100% right. It's also interesting that she, like, uh, like busted out some Quinlan Voss powers here with her psychometry, which is where you can sort of, like, basically touch an object and, you know, feel and see the memories in terms of what happened. I can't remember whether that's been established that she has that before uh, or not, if they laid any groundwork or if just sort of like Morgan Elsbeth all of a sudden being a night sister, even though that was never a thing on the Mandalorian, uh, whether they've just sort of just gave her that power now, which is how she sort of ultimately, um, I guess, helped her uh, know what had happened with Sabine. So interesting there. Um, also interesting is that you went with purgles, and I was wondering what the plural of purgle was, whether the plural of purgle was purgle or purgles. You went oh, with I don't the know. S. I think I'd go just purgle, but I'm not sure that's right. But but regardless- like seal? I, like, yeah, I, don't like seal? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Jedi? Whales? Jedi? Jedi Whale? is just, uh, Jedi is uh, the plural of Jedi. Um, yeah, but that ends in an I. Whereas like <laughs> things that end in a, historically things that end in a consonant are- that's you true. know, you add an S, but I don't know. Who knows how it's they do Star things Wars. over there? Yeah. I don't, um, I don't speak galactic basic. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I do want to mention, you talked about visually some of the great shots that we saw in those sort of Ahsoka visions. The shot that really blew me away was Ahsoka on the roof of the ship uh, in front of the per as the purgle rises up right in front of her. And you know what it reminded me of, Devin? was that shot from the Rogue One trailer where Jin Erso (laughs) is out on that beam and the TIE fighter rise up, which apparently was never even actually, like that wasn't one of the things in the first cut of the movie that got changed and taken out. I think that was literally made, like a marketing person made that up and like, oh, that's cool. Let's put it in the trailer, even though it's not in the movie. It's literally just was like a marketing thing, but like was such a cool shot. That's what that kind of reminded me of. I just loved, it was obviously beautiful. And all that purgle slash purgle stuff was so beautiful and rousing and awesome. And the music was Very so, good. so great. I just loved all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, the episode ends on this, this moment of hope with, uh, you know, Ahsoka, it's, it's a very biblical, like in the, in the belly of the whale, um, you know, following this whale on its journey through hyperspace, um, presumably to go find Thrawn. Um, it's, it's, kind of it's it's kind of extraordinary and it's it's a lovely kind of weird trippy moment and and something i thought about when i was watching this episode a lot is this is another one that was directed by dave filoni um 
And you can tell that Dave Filoni is somebody who comes from animation and is somebody who clearly like storyboards and thinks in sort of like these very distinct like visual images and and these like th like the framing and the composition on this episode I thought was particularly impressive um, in a way that you don't always get on some of these live action Star Wars shows um, and and yeah there's just so many lovely shots I loved some of the the flashback moments the the world between worlds looked incredible. The, again, I totally agree that shot where she's like staring at the pergil and and if I mean originally it's from her perspective and you're like is that like a head is that it like what what is that and you like then it kind of goes back and you see the full scale of this giant space whale and you're like wow that's really cool um yeah I I just yeah I'm I'm very very curious to see kind of where things where things go also we get to see Ahsoka without her like weird little headband thing. We get to see like her bare forehead, which is kind of interesting. And to my knowledge, we haven't really never gotten no. in any of the yeah. animated stuff. I mean, like maybe a little bit when she's like a little little baby Togruta. Um, but it, it was, and I loved that in the Clone Wars flashback, she had sort of her like weird diamond headpiece thing that she she usually wears. But I will say it was weird to see see her bare forehead where you see like the the sort of orange of her skin go into like the white of the head tails. Yeah. It was like it was kind of fascinating. I was like, oh that's what that looks like. No wonder they keep a headband on her all the time. <laughs> exactly. It looked a little weird. It looked it looked a little funky. And it's probably not easy to do with the uh the CGI no, and stuff, yeah. which is why they have that thing there. Um the other thing I'll say, and like this is going to sound really stupid. I don't know if it'll sound more stupid than the other <laughs> stupid stuff I say. But I really liked the way that the episode basically ended with Hera saying, may the force be with you. Yeah. Um, and it's it's such a small thing. So I want to talk about, compare this to Andor for a second. You and I watched Andor. We liked Andor. We thought it started off a little slow. We thought the flashbacks as a kid was maybe just went on a little too long. wasn't it very interesting, but that the show really picked up its momentum and pace and was really uh, enjoyable. Andor got all this praise from critics and a lot of people. And um, again, you and I liked the show. We're not dissing Andor. Loved it. Loved yeah, Andor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, what was found was interesting was uh, a lot of people saying like, What's so great about it is that there's no lightsabers and there's no this and that. And, 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 and that's true. It was a very different take on the show. But I thought a lot of that also came from like non-real intense Star Wars fans. Um, I, I, I love Star Wars because I love Star Wars. Like I want to see lightsaber battles. I want to hear May the Force Be With You. I don't need to hear it every line in every episode, but I want to hear it, right? There's certain tent poles of this franchise that I don't want abandoned. I like that Andor doesn't do it. It makes it different. It's great. But it doesn't mean that I don't want that stuff. I want that stuff, Devin. I want these badass lightsaber battles we've seen over the past two episodes. We've seen like five or six of them. It's crazy. I want to hear May the Force Be With You. It means something to me. It makes like the little you know, hair on my arm stand up. It's great. So I thought that was just a really nice way to end the episode. And I really enjoyed it. I don't know what Hera does now. Um, as we sort of talk about moving moving ahead, like, does she meet up with Zeb? We know we we know we have to see Zeb at some point. Like we have to. And we have to see Thrawn at some point for crying out loud. We got five episodes down. We still haven't seen this dude. Um, so I'll we'll play the game. Who do we see first, Thrawn or Zeb? Oh, I think we're going to see Thrawn next episode. We kind of have, have to, right? To. We have to follow. We have you know, to. We have to catch it, catch up with Sabine, and and I think that's that's when it's going to happen. Um, 
Uh, speaking of Hera, I also wanted to point out um, we got a Leia reference this episode. Yes, we get a we get a mention of of Senator Organa who is yes. who's trying her best to sort of support Hera from afar. Um, that was a, a fun little fun little nod. Um, but no, to to talk about your you know what you said about sort of like Andor and Ahsoka are obviously very different shows, right? And I think ideally there should be room for both. I think I, part of my I get where the people who are coming from that are like, I love things like Andor because it's not all about the Jedi and it's about these other, there's so many other stories to tell in this big, wide Star Wars galaxy. I think people get frustrated when you're just telling the same stories over and over again, when like every single character you meet is somehow related to a Skywalker or a Palpatine and it just makes the galaxy seem small. Um so to do something like Andor, where you expand the scope and you explore all these other corners of the galaxy, I think it makes it feel more lived in and more real. And I also, I think it's just more interesting to sort of explore new corners of this. But at the same time, I think you're right. I think there's something thrilling about lightsabers and the force and all of these things that we love about Star Wars. Um, and I think Ahsoka is an example of Take, of doing taking those things and doing it very very well, um, and so I think ideally there should be room for both. And I, I don't love when people I've seen a lot of this online people pitting them against each other. People are like, oh my god, Ahsoka is just like dumb fan service, and Andor is actually good television, or like you know, and I'm like, there should be room for all of it. There there should be room. One of the things that I think is great about this time in Star Wars history is that we're getting more Star Wars content than we ever have before. And some of it's good, some of it's bad, and not all of it may be your particular taste, but that's okay because it's somebody's taste. And ideally you get like a wealth of things to choose from and, and sort of like a buffet of options. I mean, how awesome is it that we live in a time when if you would have told like seven-year-old Devin, like, hey, there's a bunch of Star Wars television shows um, that you can watch right now, and they're all pretty good. I would be thrilled. So I, I think I think there's room for all of that. And I, I I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of people pitting them against each other. I mean, if one of them is your favorite, and if you really love Ahsoka, and Andor wasn't for you, or you know you really loved Obi Wan Kenobi, but Book of Boba Fett wasn't for you, that's okay. Not everything has to be. Not everything has to be for you, but. Ideally, something should there should be something for everyone. Well, so. there's a, there's also like that. I mean, we we were talking about it a while back, and and talking about sort of you know, I can't remember what we're doing if you rank the shows or this or that or what have you. But like, I remember talking about like how Andor and Obi Wan, and I was saying how like well, Andor is like probably the better crafted show, but like the highs of Obi Wan for me, and like seeing those two actors as those two characters, like there's Andor, there's just no way it could compete with that for me. I'm not saying Obi Wan's a better show. I'm just saying those moments of Obi Wan Kenobi, where he was battling against Hayden Christensen as Anakin or Darth Vader, were just so thrilling for me. And it's it's hard for something else to top that that you know whatever's going on in Ferrix, which was great. But like it's just it's just it's for me. It's not going to top that. Uh, and maybe that's fan service but like we said, that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, at all. Um, did you find it a little weird that Hera could hear the lightsaber battle? Like, was that a little like when that gets into our caller that we had last week of talking about like the force and now everyone's gonna has like can do some powers with the force and it's everywhere and everyone has a little bit of it. And like, I understand why Jason could hear it. And I realized trying to like give scientific explanations for the force is a little, uh, you know, difficult to do. But like, 
when Hera sits there and closes her eyes and she can sort of hear it, like, what does that mean? Are we supposed to read something into that, Devin? Or is this just like, again, everyone has a little bit of the force in them? I think, I mean, there. this is something we know that like every, the force connects all living things and, and everyone can sort of like acknowledge it. It's just a question of like whether any, everyone can harness it or like tap into it. Um, this, I mean, you could sort of, you could make the argument that like, okay, the world between worlds is like bleeding through into the real world. And that's sort of like this echo. It's like, you know, how there's a, I don't know. Is it ever really explained? Like, can a, somebody who's not force sensitive see a force ghost? I would think that if, would a force ghost be able to present themselves in front of somebody who's non-force sensitive? I'm, I'm, I'm going through the catalog in my brain of force ghost appearances now, and I, I can't recall a non-force sensitive person. Neither can I, but like theoretically that's a thing that Like could, could R2 see Obi-Wan on Dagobah? Like was R2 like <laughs> Well that's a whole out? other thing about droids. Like cause <laughs> yeah. are they like living human beings or living yeah. beings or whatever. Um but no, I, I I thought it was fine. I mean you can you can nitpick it, but I, I like to think that, you know, maybe it's the idea that like something from the world between worlds is bleeding through into the real world and that's what she hears as opposed to like tapping into the force to hear it. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, but um, it was very interesting that we get obviously confirmation that Jason is force sensitive. We get, I think this is the first time they've actually mentioned the name Kanan Jarrus. I think before they were yeah. just like, your father. Your father. Was a Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And I did love the moment where um, Jason is like interrogating who Yang and is like, do you know how to build a lightsaber? Yes. Will you teach me? No. no. It's incredible. Just again. Very K2SO. Very K. That's the only thing. I love Hugh Yang too, but it's a, I wish it was just a little different, more different from K2SO because they're clearly oh. drawing from that playbook. True, but I I love David Tennant's performance in this. You um, love anything he does. I mean, look, you are you are no, I'm such observer. a David Tennant rabbit hole right now. I've just been rewatching Doctor Who. I just watched Staged again, which is that like ridiculous pandemic Zoom show he made yeah. with Michael Sheen. Man, David Tennant, it's it's. You're not going to rewatch Camping. I'll tell you David that Tennant. much. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Please, I watched Camping. That's how oh, that's how deep in the rabbit hole I am for David geez. Tennant. She's lost, so, people. She's lost. No. But there was uh, Lauren, our, our former co-host, said something on Twitter where, where she was like, uh, we get a great um, David Tennant delivery of, um, oh, what was it? What did she say? Oh, where he, where he goes, what? He, he, I love the way David Tennant says the word what. It's incredible. And we get a really good one in this episode. So. Uh, he, he is good. It's a fun character. All right. Anything else you want to hit on before we get to your interview? Uh, um. We talked about Clone Wars references. We talked about Leia. Did that? Yeah. Loved the Lord of the Rings references. More Lord of the Rings references in my Star Wars. I'm not mad about it. Uh, Nor am I, for that matter. Nor am I. Um, Okay, it was a great episode, another great episode, and we have another great interview for you this week. Devin chatted with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Hera, right before the actor's strike, and we've been waiting to drop this conversation for you. And now is that time. So we have one of the stars of Star Wars coming up right after this quick break. Thank you so much, Mary, for taking time to chat with me about Ahsoka. Yeah, of course. Of course. Nice to see you. I'm excited to pick your brain about it. I, I guess I wanted to start by give me a little bit of background as to, to how you first got involved in this show. How did this come together? 
I mean, it came somewhat out of the blue. You know, I just got a call saying that Dave Filoni and John Favreau wanted to speak to me about uh, an upcoming project. Um, and, you know, it was kind of vaguely like, oh, it's most likely the Ahsoka project, which, you know, um, I'd seen Mandalorian. I, I knew that that character was kind of getting their own spinoff. So I was aware of it and I was very, very intrigued. And, you know, as soon as I got to talk to them, I was like, oh, my God, these guys are just an absolute dream. And they're so brilliant. And the role sounded so complex and fun. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my initial foray into it. And then I got to discover Rebels and, you know, on and on and go deeper and deeper into the story and and took it from there. How did they pitch this to you? Yeah, I would say it was very character focused in terms of of who I would be playing and who she is and kind of who she means to the show um, and what she represents. You know, I think that Dave in particular, you know, has such a connection to the the characters that he creates. And so he's so passionate about it. And so to get to hear him speak about Hera and her strength and her passion and where she was coming from emotionally, he just really conveyed that in such a wonderful way and made me so kind of excited to learn more about her. Yeah. So you did that deep dive where you like went and watched a bunch of Rebels and, and did, did your homework, basically? I did. I mean, that was such a fantastic thing to get to have five seasons of something to work with in terms of backstory. I mean, you know, usually you're kind of trying to come up with your own backstory to fill out a character and, and make them more interesting or more real to you. So, you know, after five seasons of watching Rebels, those characters are real already, you know, and so it's it becomes a different challenge of kind of stepping into some shoes that have already been filled in one way and and kind of bringing them into literally a different dimension um, and, and trying to kind of bring myself to that and also marry it with what had already been done in the cartoon. So that was it was interesting to take that with me, but also try and let it go so that I could carry it forward myself. What about her did you find like most interesting or most helpful? Like what what kind of elements of her personality did you latch onto as, as something that was you found really helpful? What I love about her is that she's such a strong leader and fighter, and she's also so maternal and nurturing. And and seeing the combination of those things, I think while they obviously do go hand in hand, you know, in in real life. We don't often see that depicted on screen, you know, we see army generals being these very masculine, hard figures and Kara has, has that, but she also has this softness to her and she really wants her crew to be loved and looked after. And, um, you know, she wants to take care of everybody at the same time while kind of pushing them to be better and to, um, to basically sacrifice, you know, whatever they need to do for the greater good. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting combination and something that was very aspirational. And I was, I was excited to try and represent all of those things in, in that character. That makes sense. And tell me a little bit about the makeup process. I mean, how long did it take to put on the head tails and, and get fully green? Yeah. You know, I sort of, just for the sake of of a story, I would love, I would love for it to be like really complicated and say that it was an eight hour process, but thankfully it, it wasn't. <laughs> they got it down to about an hour, which is, you know, a pretty normal time to, to be sitting in the makeup chair for any project. So I was so grateful for that. I think everybody came into it wanting, wanting it to look right, but also wanting it to be not too torturous of a process for me. So you know, the first few days that we that I came to set, it was a bit longer. I think our first test day was about three hours and they worked on it and worked on it and streamlined it to the point where I came in, 
I got painted green, <laughs> you know, I got my head tails on and I was Hera and I was ready to go. They're like, yeah, we got this. We can turn somebody yeah. green. No problem. <laughs> yeah, they've done it once or twice before, you know. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about working with Rosario on this. Um, what's she like uh, on set? I mean, talk about easygoing. She, she is kid, you know, most of the time on set, she's just like messing with people and teasing everybody and having a good time singing, laughing, keeping the set like really light. And then she can kind of turn on this incredibly sort of magical, larger than life, mystical character at the drop of a hat. So she's just the coolest. And I also wanted to ask, I know, um, I know Chopper, the droid shows up in this series. How was it? Tell me about working with a droid co-star. It's pretty exciting. I think I think just knowing that you've got a droid, you're in the Star Wars world and you've got a droid is like, <laughs> it's a pretty cool, it's, a, it's, a, it's something really cool to experience. And to have Dave on set most of the time, kind of getting to imbue Chopper with that kind of, you know, great personality that we've come to, come to know from Rebels um, was, a, was a lot of fun. And, uh, and my son, Jason, played by Evan, was it was so great to kind of see him interact as well, because, you know, having like a child around you who has like that imagination is still so fresh in him that he can look at Chopper and, and see something real. That was also really, really infectious to be around. And, and I couldn't help but feel like he was, he was real to me, too. Yeah, he's part of the family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. And yeah, I mean, you're somebody who is, you know, you're obviously part of a Star Wars family too, you know, you're with your husband uh, being being Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, did you get to spend any time on the Obi-Wan set or did he get to come to the Ahsoka set at all? I, I did. I, I spent a bit of time on the Obi-Wan set. I actually had um, our baby while Ewan was filming that. So I remember, you know, coming in with our little newborn boy, you know, once he was ready to be out in the world. And that was one of the first places that <laughs> that he ever went was to the Obi-Wan set. So um, he's definitely become kind of familiar with the Star Wars world, even if he doesn't fully understand it yet. You know, he's got Star Wars friends all over the place, like Grogu dolls everywhere that he's obsessed with. So it's it's been a part of our lives for a while now. And I, I think, you know, there was an influence there. I got to know Deb um, from from being around the Obi-Wan set. And I think she kind of was poking Dave and John going, hey, like, she'd be a really good Hera. So I think in that sense, there was sort of, you know, worlds colliding in a way. And um, I'm really grateful that it's come together that way because it's just been such a beautiful thing to get to experience together um, and to get to kind of see firsthand by being with him what the Star Wars fans are like and how respectful they are and how passionate they are and and kind of how emotionally connected they are to these stories and these worlds. Um, and I feel really, really grateful to, to be a part of that. Yeah. So it's it sounds like, so how much Star Wars memorabilia do you have in your house now? We have a lot. Um, it, it's just kind of peppered around, you know, um, we've got, we've got a lot of um, Grogu. We've got, in, in terms of like our son's favorite toys, he's got his Grogu. He's got Lola from the Obi-Wan series. There's lots of datas around <laughs> from various different, you know, eras of Obi-Wan and so he always knows that if he sees any sort of Obi-Wan figure around that that's data. That's what, that's what he knows it as right now. Um, so yeah, we, we have, um, we've, we've got a few and he's got lots of star Wars um, t-shirts. So I sort of didn't really 
intend to dress him in Star Wars t-shirts all the time, but it sort of naturally just happened. So it's um, it's kind of ironic, but he's often in some sort of Star Wars garb. <laughs> it happens. Occupational yeah. hazard. <laughs> exactly. Is there, like, did you learn any new skills for this show? Or, like, or did you do any, like, stunts that you're particularly proud of or anything that, that was particularly fun for you? It was so much fun. I mean, I... I had I got to do kind of different kind of stunts than what I'm used to because my stunts mainly involved flying a spaceship, which was <laughs> something completely new for me, um, and active in a very different way. Um, so it was really fun to kind of use my imagination and to get to feel that excitement of just being inside the cockpit of a Star Wars spaceship um, and getting to kind of sit with that and and feel the excitement of that and carry that into the character who absolutely loves to fly and kind of lives for that. Um, so kind of channeling my excitement for being a part of that Star Wars world into, into the character. And um, that was, that was so much fun to get to do. Yeah. What's it like to, to step onto some of those sets where you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm in the cockpit of a spaceship or, you know, like, like I'm in the star Wars galaxy. Yeah, I know it's, it's surreal really. Cause you just think, Oh my God, it's, you just feel so lucky to get to be a part of that because I mean, I, I can't even think of how many people I know who would be desperate to get to do something like that. So it's just like, I just feel a lot of excitement and like gratitude that I get to be in that position. It's, it's just so cool. That's so magical. Yeah. Is there, when you think back to filming, is there like a particular day on set or, or like a scene that is, that sticks out the most for you when you think about the filming experience? There were several, there's, um, there's one that I don't want to give away, but it was like carrying kind of all the seasons of rebels into it and, and kind of the emotional history of that, as well as everything that happened between the end of rebels and the beginning of our show and getting to kind of bring all of that to fruition in a very kind of satisfying way. And that was, that was really amazing to get to do. And, and, and also just really anything that I got to do with Jason, because I got to live through his, um, awe of of everything that he got to see and and to experience star wars through a child's eyes is something really really special yeah i imagine that's it's very much like kind of a little bit of kid in a candy store like oh my gosh i'm in another galaxy yeah exactly exactly um and i don't know it just it just kind of sheds a whole new light on everything and you just go wow this really is the most special thing in the world so when you get to see it through his eyes and and his like absolute wonder at everything it was amazing Thanks so much to Mary Elizabeth Winstead for being with us here on the Dagobah Dispatch this week and thank you for also being here meaning we are not just talking to ourselves if you have just 30 seconds please follow rate and review the podcast we'd really appreciate it and we'll even give you a shout out right here on the pod. Also, leave us a voicemail message. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We'll play it and respond to you right here on the pod. Hit us up at 657-799-1566. That's 657-799-1566. And you can be part of the show. You can connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. 
Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.